May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The tenth plague was coming. You know the story, right? God's people, the Israelites, were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves to the Egyptians, and God was coming to rescue them. God was determined to make the Egyptians want to get rid of their Israelite slaves, so he sent the ten plagues. The first nine plagues had devastated the land and the psyche of the people, some of them touching both the Egyptians and the Israelites, others making distinctions. But this tenth one, this tenth would be the worst. The death of the firstborn. Every household in the land, the firstborn would be killed. From pharaohs all the way to slaves. Now they should have known because God told them how to avoid that for their household. They should have looked to the lamb, but many of them did not. Instructions through Moses had been really clear. On the tenth day of the month, you take a lamb from the flock and, and bring it to the family. And after four days of well, probably developing a relationship with that cute little thing, the kids watched as dad took a knife and a bowl. And with the knife, he ended that lamb's life. And with the bowl, he caught its blood that was flowing out of the slit in his throat. And then he took a branch of the hyssop plant and painted that blood on the doorframe of the house. That night, the tenth plague came. The angel of death went through the land and killed the firstborn of every single family, every single household that hadn't substituted that innocent lamb for the life of their firstborn. And the Egyptians said, that's it. We can't take it anymore. Get out. The Israelites were set free from slavery because of the blood of the lamb. And then every year from that year on, were to take a lamb on the 10th day of the month of Nisan. It was to be at least eight days, no more than a year old, perfect, without any blemish, no broken bones. And they were to take the life of that lamb on the 14th. The knife, the bowl, the blood. But this time, instead of painting the door frames, they were to take that blood and sprinkle it on the altar the place where the atonement for sins was accepted, the place where God accepted sacrifices, a substitute in place of the lives of his people. And then, every single day, in every morning and evening sacrifice, the same picture was painted, a lamb slain for the sake of People, the blood sprinkled, the people rescued. They had a relationship with God. 
The wrath of God was appeased because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the substitution of the Lamb. Day after day, year after year, century after century, this vivid picture of sacrifice and substitution was painted on the psyche and psychology of God's people. They were saved by the blood of the Lamb. And then came Jesus. The fulfillment of all of those animal sacrifices. The substitute. The Christ. The Messiah. And John knew it was him. Last week in our gospel lesson we saw how. Remember that? John was baptizing in the Jordan River. Jesus came out to be baptized and heaven opened and the Spirit descended and landed on him in the form of a dove. And John said that made it all clear. Look at what he says in verse 33. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. God had given the Old Testament people of Israel a lamb to take their place in the death that they had coming. And now today, in our gospel, John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God was here. And his job, well, he takes away sin. Let's take a step back and ask a question. That whole Passover thing, the the 10th plague, the killing of all of those firstborn, was that fair? Was it fair for, just just because I'm the firstborn, I'm going to be dead? Just because my family didn't kill some paint with its blood? I mean, that's a little weird, right? You can't blame them for not doing it, right? Was it fair? Well, considering that the deal was the wages of sin is death, right? God had said that from the get-go. The wages of sin is death. Well, they got exactly what they had coming, death. Was it fair? Yes. They had that coming. But so do we, right? Because... Well, we sin, and, and, and you see in your life, we see so clearly the truth of that wages of sin is death thing, right? Think of the things that our sin kills. Selfishness puts to death relationships. Laziness murders achievement. Our bad decisions, lack of self-control, well... They spill out our our health. Pride squeezes the breath out of any accomplishment because we are sinners. We know death. And that's all we should know. But then comes the Lamb and takes our place in that death. Substitutes is killed in our place. And when we look to the Lamb, well, the consequences of our sins are placed on Him. And and His perfect life 
Well, it accomplishes eternity for us. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away your sin. The only thing that wasn't fair for those people was that not everybody was killed. That God accepted a sacrifice of a lamb in place of of their life. I mean, what should a lamb have to do with my sin? The answer should be nothing. But God in his grace filled that picture with power. He promised a lamb to pay for my sin. And now in our text, when John points to Jesus and says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, well, the two disciples that were following John, well, of course they're going to go and follow Jesus, right? Because that's what they need. They need the Savior. They need the Lamb that they've been looking for. And and Jesus notices that these two disciples are following him. And so he asks, what do you want? Literally, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? And they answer with a question. Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? You see what they want? Be with Jesus. They want him to be their teacher, right? They want what the Lamb gives, that that forgiveness of sins. They want what he does. He takes away our sins. But notice, not only ours. Read the whole declaration again. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you notice what happened when Andrew saw Jesus as his Savior? When, when he realized he was the Lamb of God who takes away his sin? What's the first thing he did? He went and found his brother. And he gets right to the point. Look at verse 41. We have found the Messiah. I mean, that's what it's all about. And then the, the next verse, it's not printed in the bulletin, but the next verse says, He, Andrew, brought him... Peter, to Jesus. Why? Was it because Jesus needed a couple more disciples to fill his quota? I I don't really think that's what Andrew was thinking. Was it because Andrew just didn't want to be alone? Or because Jesus had given him a a job description and, and told him that he was the new director of outreach? I doubt that that's the case too. Why? Well, because Jesus is awesome. This news is good. The Lamb of God takes away my sin, and here he is. Of course you're going to want to share that, right? It's natural. I know our society and sinful nature and Satan, they, they, they do a number on us trying to, to do, put all the obstacles in our way of sharing our faith. But, but when you think about it, sharing your faith is obvious. It's natural. It, it just makes sense. If God has done something this great for me, and it matters to me, and he wants it to matter to everyone because he wants that same gift for everyone, well, well why wouldn't I share it? It just makes sense. It, it kind of goes in line with all the talking about at, at our Everyone Outreach Seminar that's going on this weekend. The second half is, is this afternoon. It's time to to get past the, the fear and the, the apathy and, and all of that, and we'll share our faith. That, that's what makes sense. 
think about it. If you were one of those Israelites <coughs> and you had slaughtered the lamb and painted the blood on your doorframe and it was that day and the plague was that night and you knew it because God said it and God always kept his word. I mean, you had learned that from the nine previous plagues where he said this was going to happen and then that happened and you knew this was coming. You knew that tonight the angel of death is going through the land and is going to kill the firstborn of every household that doesn't have the blood over the, over the doorframe and you look across the way and you see your neighbor, your friend, and there's no blood on the doorframe. What are you going to do? Of course. You go over there and you tell them about the lamb and the sacrifice and the substitution and the coming death, if not. Or, or you bring them into your house so that they can be covered by the blood of the lamb. Something, right? Andrew came to learn that Jesus was God who takes away the sin of the world. He found the substitute, the sacrifice that, that saved him. Boy, he didn't need a five-step plan or any kind of extensive evangelism training. He saw something good and he wanted to share it. And he loved his brother. So it just made sense. So he climbed the rungs of the accountability ladder and, and did something about it. He brought him to Jesus. I can't read that verse without thinking about my friend who shared a name with this evangelizing apostle, Andrew. He was my college roommate, and the weekend before our junior year started, I was already up at school for early football practice, and he was driving back from the construction site the last day of his summer job before he would head up. And the, the water truck, the, the, the big tank truck that he was driving, the, the weight shifted, and it flipped, threw him out down the hill, and then landed on him. The professor that got the news found me and, and told me about it, and then he asked me to go talk to Andrew's younger brother, who was already up at school for early football practice. And when I did, Andrew's brother quoted this passage. He told me that the only reason that he was going to school to be a pastor, the only reason he wanted to be a pastor was because he wanted to follow in his big brother's footsteps. He said that in a way, he, Andrew, had brought him to Jesus. And he said, maybe that's why Andrew was here, and now he gets to go home. You have the opportunity to bring people to Jesus, to show them the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. With whatever time you have left, with how many more days are in your life, you get to point people to Jesus and say, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then God uses them to do the same. I mean, think about this. So Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. And then you don't hear very much about Andrew after this. But Peter... That's the guy who well, was a fisherman that became a fisher of men. The guy who walked on water. The guy who was so excited to see Jesus when he, when he rose. He jumped out of a boat and swam across the lake to go see him. Peter, the guy who, who confessed so powerfully that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the, the one who 
who healed and, and, and drove out demons, the, the one who stood up on Pentecost and boldly proclaimed that message, that sermon that has changed our lives, the one who in last week's sermon got it, remember? And, 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 and he, he brought that message of Jesus as the Lamb even to the Gentiles. And then around the world, eventually getting to Rome where tradition says he was martyred for his testimony, but not before showing so many the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He substituted for you. He is the Lamb that takes away your sins. May God bless your life that in so many different ways, You are pointing people to Jesus and telling them to look. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Christ, amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.